The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome, everybody. Tuesday edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show kicks off right now. All right, let's just lay it out for you. More on the border crisis today. We shall discuss that. It's a mess for the Biden White House and the Senate compromise bill looks like it is going to go nowhere, which we've really known all along. Tensions rising in the Middle East, perhaps the most uh, cliched TV chiron in the news business you'll ever see, because tensions are pretty much always rising in the Middle East. It depends on what the uh, period of temporary peace is in between. But uh, we'll talk about how Biden may respond to uh, this attack on a U.S. base uh, that killed three uh, three members of a U.S. Army and uh, what this could mean. Obviously, for security in the Middle East and also more broadly uh, in the political sense here at home, how Biden's going to handle the prospect of getting involved in another conflict. Or as Joy Reid says, another bleep war. Uh, yes. You may have that that went over, over cable news. Another bleeping war that went over cable news last night. Uh, so we can talk about how, how that one was. Uh, I, I'm actually with Joy Reid insofar as uh, I don't want us in another war. But I also know that when you're on TV, you got to assume those mics are always, always open. Uh, certainly we do here in radio. We try to. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to dive into there on the drone attack, the aftermath of it. Also, uh, there's footage of this in a West Bank hospital. I don't know how many of you have sh- uh, seen the show Fauda. Claire, are you familiar with Fauda? No, it's, I don't know that. Oh, it's excellent. It's a counterterrorism. It's an Israeli counterterrorism show. And it really focuses on on an Israeli unit that is effectively uh, deep cover operating in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. It's a military intelligence unit, and they have obviously native Arabic speakers, but they are fighting for the Israelis. People are pointing out this video. This really happened in the West Bank. They took out three uh, three Palestinian terrorists. They are dressed as uh, members of the medical staff couple of women dressed in like the full uh you know head to toe hijab burqa situation uh yeah so th- the israelis they say this was to stop another uh, october 7th like attack uh and so israel is just going to do what it has to do to defend itself that was a story we will get to later on in the program as well but i i want to do right now um dive into th- oh and clay you're gonna have to explain at some point to me today, so that I can feel like I know what's going on. I've never seen so much chatter over a uh, relationship that has now turned into world-changing conspiracy theories. This is why I was rooting for the Ravens, Buck, because I knew Taylor Swift was going to take over the Super Bowl. This Kelsey Swift thing 
people are talking about this. It's like the Illuminati and the Bilderbergs, and you know, it's crazy talk. What's going on here? Crazy stuff uh, that they're somehow involved in the elect. I, I don't even. I don't even know what to say. Clay, you can try to explain it to me later because. This is what the kids are talking about online, and I, I'm sitting here like this is just utter. But Vivek, where is the? I, I've got the uh, Vivek. Actually, here we go. You're going to have to explain to me how Vivek claims Taylor Swift and and Travis Kelsey are in a fake relationship, and the Chiefs will win the rigged Super Bowl over the 49ers to help Joe Biden in 2024. I have. No idea Where what that did, is. Do we have to. audio of that? Like, I, I, I don't. And the reason why I ask, we'll eventually dive in. Vivek is a super smart guy, and sometimes sarcasm and you know, like having fun, yeah. does not translate. And so I'm curious where I saw that headline, but I haven't actually dove into where he said it. Um, so I would I would be interested in hearing that actual audio. But yes, if, I if will he break is down. serious, there needs to be a little accountability yeah. for that. This is like what, I will be the expert on the Taylor Palooza that has taken over the Super Bowl. So in the meantime, we mentioned yesterday at the top of the show, or we got into it a little bit, this uh, $83 million judgment against the presumed Republican nominee in uh, Donald Trump. I, I think we could say he's the presumptive nominee is fair. Uh, it, it would be the biggest shock in, in I don't know, probably the biggest shock in political memory for me if Donald Trump weren't going to end up being the nominee at this point. Um, and we've been telling you this now for, for a couple of weeks. But E. e- Jean Carroll went on uh, with Rachel Maddow last night isn't she getting paid something like thirty million a year to show up once a week? I mean, it's a great, great gig. It's- uh, in all of media, Buck, there is a strong argument that Rachel Maddow has the best contract. I don't begrudge anybody who makes a lot of money because obviously MSNBC is making a lot of money. But yeah, the reports are that she makes thirty million dollars a year to show up once a week to do that show. Uh, it's astonishing. So anyway, something uh, you know, goals. Hashtag goals. Um, yes. But here she is, uh, E. Jean Carroll. When she's asked what she's going to do with Donald Trump's money, which he hasn't given her yet, but that's a whole other part of this. Like, what's the actual sum going to be? This is how the woman who claims she was sexually assaulted by Donald Trump. It was in the 80s, right? Or was it the 90s? I don't the 90s, the 80s. It was like 30 years ago, whatever. Yeah, Let's just I, 30 plus years ago. Yeah. This is how she speaks about. This verdict and this $83 million judgment play 10. You've talked about using some of. Trump's money that you're about to get um, to help shore up women's rights. Do you know what that might be, what that might look like? Yes, Rachel. Yes. Tell me. I had such, such great ideas (laughs) for all the good I'm going to do with this money. First thing, Rachel, you and I are going to go shopping. We're going to get completely (laughs) new wardrobes, new shoes, motorcycle for Crowley, new fishing rod for Robbie. Rachel, what do you want? Penthouse? It's yours, Rachel. Penthouse and uh, France? You want France? You want to go fishing in France? No? All right. All right. Okay. That's a joke. Now, Clay, I I understand what the Democrats are going to say. They're going to say, oh, but she's laughing. She's joking. Let's let's all understand. She's accused. She accused Donald Trump of forcible rape in the dressing room of a department store in New York City, which is a horrible, violent crime. Now, he wasn't even in the civil trial found guilty of that. I think it was sexual assault, but not actually rape. Right. That's the I believe that's correct. And I want to dive into that because I think it's significant. But yes, sometimes people will refer to a rape as sexual or it is a form of sexual assault. So these uh, specificities or the specifics here are, are something that we should uh, nail down. But my, my point is merely, Clay, if that happens to someone and it's so traumatic that they, first of all, would be traumatic, and second of all, that they would bring it forward 30 years later and take it into court, there's nothing funny about this, right? I mean, if that had actually happened to a person, wouldn't you think the person would think there's some solemnity, that there's some hope that the uh, the justice system is punishing a person for doing something awful? It's not a big joke, is my point. But to her, it yeah. is a big joke, isn't it? Well, I think this is devastating for anybody out there who's tried to hold her up as a uh, as a true victim. I, I'm not. Look, I I can't. Look, I don't. I don't believe her. So I just want to be clear. Yeah, this is. I, I don't believe I, that uh, that Donald Trump did to her what she says he did to her. I do not believe it. I agree with you on that. And also, I believe that all of her actions 
have demonstrated that there is, I think, a preponderance of the evidence that he didn't do this. And if you were truly a victim, I don't think you would go on MSNBC and talk about the way you're going to celebrate your $83 million is to go shopping for new outfits and to take trips and to be just like laughing it up. I I, I don't buy into this. And I I mentioned this yesterday, Buck, but I I think this is important uh, in a big way. And and I want to ask lawyers out there, 800-282-2882, because I'm going to put on my lawyer hat here for you for a minute, Buck. I don't understand the procedural posture of this case. Let's leave aside E. Jean Carroll laughing, yucking it up on television like she did. The procedural posture here is this, and see if you follow me here, Buck, because this may be a little bit complicated, and I'm probably going to have to come back and keep talking about it. But in the first suit, Trump was accused of rape and and uh, sexual assault. Okay, simply put, rape obviously usually requires some, and I'm being graphic here, but it's, it's the legal distinction, right? Some form of penetration of a sexual nature. Sexual assault often is defined as touching somebody in an inappropriate way. Like you could grab... Uh, Groping without penetration is usually a distinction that would be made here in the okay. law, yeah. So the jury in the first trial found that Trump did not rape her. They found that he committed sexual assault and they found him to have to pay $5 million. I don't even understand. And again, I want it's a little bit complicated, so I want you guys to try to follow me as best you can. That trial did not happen until 2023. $5 million verdict, sexual assault, preponderance of the evidence, civil lawsuit. This is not a criminal case, civil lawsuit, which, by the way, they changed the statute of limitations for to allow her to bring this suit, which is even crazier, right? But then they found him guilty, uh, libel for defamation based on comments, this second lawsuit that just happened that he made in 2019. I don't understand legally. Two things. One, how can Trump be responsible for defamation from comments he made in 2019 based on a jury verdict that didn't come down until 2023? They said he defamed her based on the jury verdict. Well, the jury verdict didn't happen for four years. Second part here, Buck, and this is complicated too. He did, when he said that she was lying, the jury in the case actually agreed with him partially. Because she said she was raped, and the jury didn't believe that. They believed she was sexually assaulted. They didn't believe he raped her. So I don't understand from a legal perspective how this is not defamation, how this is defamation, because even based on the trial that happened four years after these comments, they agreed that he didn't rape her, so his lying comment is true. So I have a theory here. Um, My non-lawyer theory... My political theory, uh, which I think supersedes the law here, this is all just um, practice. It's repetition of flexing the muscle of anti-Trump lawfare here. It's just uh, showing people that if you get a New York jury at this point in time that you're going to put Trump up for anything, you're going to nail him. And and this is what concerns me about this. We've we've been operating under this idea that the Alvin Bragg case is so weak and so flimsy that there must be some reality that comes into play at some point, right? The 30 whatever counts, uh, it is 34 counts, I think, or 37 counts uh, of uh, of forgery or something. I mean, whatever, bookkeeping, you know. Uh, book, uh, bookkeeping violation. Right, that, that every time they wrote down that this was a personal expense, not a campaign expense, they were committing a separate criminal act. This is, it's insane but maybe insanity is no longer something that we can rely on as the outer limit of what they're willing to do. Do you, do you know what I mean? I mean yeah, maybe no, what this I, is showing I think, us is that is that the Alvin Bragg case is going to get a conviction, even as crazy as it is, because they're getting these E. Jean Carroll civil verdicts like it's nothing. So that's really concerning to me. Yeah, on appeal, though. From a legal perspective, I don't see how this doesn't completely get tossed out, and this doesn't even consider. The other thing, which is effectively what you're saying is 
Trump is not allowed to defend himself from accusations of sexual assault because that's well, defamation. Well, I, I also, you know, what, what? So now is it if you say that you don't believe someone, that's is that you know, are, are we getting into defamation now? Do I have to do I have to accept someone's public narrative of events or else they could sue me for de- defamation? I mean, unless that, she is not able to prove what she there, there's no proof of anything that she has claimed against Trump of any kind whatsoever. It's just her word. So now whoever a jury believes in a civil sense, the other person's guilty of defamation. I mean, if I say like Keith Olbermann is the worst person to have ever worked in media, can he sue me for defamation? I don't know. I think that's an opinion. Uh, What's even crazier, Buck, is it's retroactive defamation. Because, again, remember, it would be you said like 20 things and then you went to trial. They found out that you had defamed her. And then they were able to sue for the 20 things you said before they found out you defamed her. I just don't understand from a legal perspective how you can be held accountable for what you said in 2019 based on a verdict from 2023 that you didn't even know was ever going to happen. This case, again, there's got to be other lawyers out there that, that are also really kind of flummoxed well, by I'm the entire you. process insofar as i'm i'm concerned about remember the whole thing kavanaugh wasn't a total success for the left but it was successful insofar as it established a precedent of it's credible even if it's incredible in the sense of not believable it's credible as long as it attacks our enemies and this is now the standard we're going to use that is what the left does and now they took that same standard and, and applied it here if they could have waived the, you know, the criminal statute, but think about what that would do, right? You waive the criminal statute of limitations for these things. Uh, you're opening up a whole, well, why have a statute of limitations at all? Um, but I, I think what, what we can see now, Clay, is that they, first of all, this is what they'll do in these kinds of trials going forward, but also the standard has been set whereby it doesn't matter what the evidence is. If it hurts your political opponent, and you're on that jury, if it hurts the other side, do it. You know what I mean? It, it's yeah. It's actually a political outcome, not a legal outcome that concerns me the most. Well, you, you want to talk about the specific yeah, and, and I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some interesting questions, but again, to me, this is a super important case. The more I think about it, the more crazy it gets. I mean, I would just say there's no one in this audience, right? There's no man in this audience right now who, if the standard of evidence is 30 years ago, some woman says you grabbed her somewhere, can't prove she was there, no witnesses, no physical evidence, no nothing, you would be incapable of proving Correct. that you, you didn't, didn't do, do this it. thing. You have if to you're in the same the state, if you live in the same city, guess what? You can't prove it. So Correct. It's crazy. What they're doing is insane, uh, but it's all about getting in trouble. We'll get into this. Let's talk about the Tunnel of the Towers Foundation, something really worthwhile and important. Tunnel of the Towers' mission is to do good and make sure we never forget. That means never forgetting 9-11, never forgetting the soldiers and first responders who risked their lives and bodies for our country and communities, and never forgetting those who were sickened because of their service for this country. The Foundation is committed to helping these heroes and their families. Heroes like retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Michael Cardos. Lieutenant Cardos served his country for 20 years, received numerous commendations, including a Bronze Star. During his time overseas, he was exposed to toxic burn pits, 18 hours after being diagnosed with service-related cancer, he passed away. Tunnel to Towers then paid off the mortgage on his family's home, removing a financial burden for his widow and their six children. The foundation helps Gold Star families and the families of fallen first responders, as well as severely injured heroes and homeless veterans. Help the brave men and women that give everything, including their lives. Join both of us in donating $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, high five casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High five, high five. Casino, casino. Win at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? 
You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Encourage you to go subscribe to the podcast if you have not already. Lots of cool parts of the podcast universe uh, with several different members of the Clay and Buck podcast uh, team, including Carol Markowitz, uh, I believe we've also got certainly, I saw her, by the way, sitting on uh, Gutfeld on Friday. Or maybe it was a Saturday show of Fox News. Um, but uh, but Tudor Dixon was doing fantastic stuff on Fox News uh, here of late. Uh, and we're going to be a- announcing some new additions soon. Also, if you want three hours of video, and I'm not suggesting that you're necessarily going to enjoy seeing Buck and me for three hours every day. But if that is in your worldview and you are interested in it, you can go to clayandbuck.com. There is now three hours of the show streaming on video every single day, Monday to Friday, for your viewing entertainment. So if you're not able to hear one of those 500 uh, AM FM stations, and if you're not able to get uh, this show on streaming or on podcast or whatever else, the video is also an option. Uh, okay, Buck, uh, Super Bowl is set. Kansas City Chiefs going up against San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to do the show Thursday and Friday from out in Las Vegas. Um, so I imagine that it will be complete chaos all over Vegas, even more so than would ordinarily be the case on any Vegas weekend. Uh, and there are now a ton of hot takes, lots of commentary out there about the impact Taylor Swift is going to have on the Super Bowl and also on the 2024 presidential campaign. And these are flying fast and furious, but I wanted to remind you that Taylor Swift has previously endorsed Joe Biden. She did it in 2020. She really has ripped Marsha Blackburn, uh, the uh, senator from Tennessee that we've had on this show a lot. She came out and endorsed the opponent of Marsha Blackburn. I'm sure she'll endorse Marsha Blackburn's opponent in 2024 uh, in November. Blackburn, by the way, go vote, everybody in Tennessee. She's my senator. She's going to win by 20 or so, at least. It's not going to be close, but I want you to all go vote, obviously. But here is Taylor Swift uh, talking politics. Their New York Times had a big article about the fact that the Biden administration considers her endorsement to be some sort of secret weapon. What's going on here? Here's Taylor Swift talking about politics. Taylor Swift comes out against Trump. I don't care if they write that. I'm sad that I didn't two years ago, but I can't change that. I'm saying right now that this is something that I know is right, and you guys, I need to be on the right side of history, and if he doesn't win, then at at least I tried. She votes against against fair pay for women she votes against the reauthorization of the of the violence against women act which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking stalking she thinks that that if you're a gay couple or even if you look like a gay couple you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant it's really basic human rights and it's right and wrong at this point okay so that is taylor swift like histrionically buck on i think her documentary uh, that they did were behind the scenes. She's going after Marsha Blackburn there. She endorsed Joe Biden. That aired, um, that's resurfaced footage. Let me make sure that I get this right. Uh, it shows Taylor Swift defiantly 
telling her team she will speak out against Donald Trump and Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn despite the risk to her safety and career. That is from her 2020 Netflix documentary, Miss Americana. So, so yeah, that that is what is in the background there for you. Clay, it's always a, a reminder at some level that celebrities are among the uh, least informed and and deeply ignorant but also uh, people who cling very strongly to their to their beliefs and think that they should inform everybody else despite their ignorance um of, of all people in society i mean if, i think if you're talking about your average uh you know pop singer um true of a lot of athletes as well these are people who are held up for one thing they are rich and famous for a thing it is not being wise. It is not being knowledgeable. It is not being smart. And none of this is new. And I know people have written books about this. And um, but the the notion that there could be some effect from Taylor Swift in voting that that's meaningful. I, I think that that the good news is that that can be discounted by you've got billions of dollars that are going to be spent trying to convince people of things in this election. And uh, I, I don't think Taylor, first of all, I think very few Taylor Swift voters or rather people who would listen to Taylor Swift and vote based on it are conservative anyway. Right. I mean, so you're not you're not losing anybody. Um, I don't think it's going to make any difference whatsoever. The fact that this is catching on everywhere to me is is bizarre. And there's all these conspiracy theories. And one of the problems of the uh, Internet age that we are in now, I think more than ever before. Um, there are people who shout you down for calling out any conspiracy theory that that the uh, it has become trendy to believe every conspiracy theory first and then maybe fade from your belief over time. I usually think that conspiracy theories should have a higher burden. I'm not saying there aren't conspiracy theories that are true, but they should have a higher burden of evidence. It shouldn't be uh, you have to prove them false first. They should have to prove that they're not crazy first for me, at least. I think the Taylor Swift conspiracy, I, I do think that, I mean, this is not a conspiracy. I, I think the Biden administration is desperate. They're underwater with young voters. And we already know they've been bringing in TikTok stars, trans influencers. I would imagine that Joe Biden is going to do prediction, relatively few actual legitimate sit down interviews during the 2024 campaign. It wouldn't stun me. This is going to sound crazy. But it wouldn't stun me if he did a sit-down with Taylor Swift. It wouldn't stun me if he did a sit-down with, God, I don't even know who the most famous TikTok stars are or who the most famous YouTube stars are, but I know that they connect overwhelmingly with people under the age of 30. Taylor Swift is already endorsed in the state of Tennessee. She came out against Marsha Blackburn in 2018 pretty and, aggressively. And Marsha is still a United States senator. Marsha Blackburn smoked her opponent Phil Bredesen, who was a very successful Democrat, had been elected twice the governor of the state. And I thought in general did a pretty decent job. There now is nobody of any substance that's going to challenge her and she's going to win by 20. So I don't think Taylor Swift is going to have much of an impact. I think it's a sign of desperation in the Biden camp that they're talking about celebrity influencers as the way that they're going to connect with young voters and somehow convince them to go out and support and, and i'll just point out biden's really not popular so i don't again i would welcome let me just say this and i've said this about athletes for a long time if taylor swift felt super strong in her political opinions and she wanted to talk to the largest political radio show in the country we would have taylor swift on this show and she could make her arguments to you i think generally speaking most athletes most entertainers, most people who are actors, most people who are in the celebrity universe are surrounded by uh, yes and no men and women. Uh, that is, they say whatever they want. They have a whole uh, coterie of advisors that give them everything that they want. And they're just not very well informed. And, and I've been arguing this for a long time, that if LeBron James did one 15-minute interview on politics... Colin Kaepernick, same way. I think after 15 minutes, you would be like, my goodness, I'm never listening to this guy's political opinion ever again well, because well, I, I mean, think they you know, would get filleted. I think people that understand 
anything already know that LeBron James understands nothing. I mean, this is not a, this wouldn't be a surprise to most folks. I think what you're saying is even some of the people that are willing to listen to him, which is mistake number one, would change their mind if they, if they heard the extent of the ignorance of some of these individuals who wax philosophical in public about politics and about American life. Did you ever hear, maybe we can grab this audio because it is amazing. Did you ever hear LeBron James? He was reading the autobiography of Malcolm X and, um, like there's all these fake LeBron is a, like one of the fakest people that's ever lived, I think, in in sports. Um, but there's all these pictures of LeBron walking around with books like he claims that he's always educating himself and everything else. Can guys let me ask the staff to pull this because if you've never heard this buck, you're going to be like, this is amazing. A sports reporter quizzed LeBron James several years ago on what he had learned so far from reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. And if you have ever been in a classroom, maybe it was you, when you got quizzed by a teacher about a book that you were not reading, that you were supposed to be reading, it was, I mean, it is amazing. I think it, it video's even better, I think, but the audio of it is is also fantastic. I just, if you want to get involved in the political sphere, I think you have to be willing to really go in depth. For instance, Buck, well, Aaron Rodgers, you can agree or disagree with Aaron Rodgers, when you actually, I texted you when he was on ESPN recently and they were grilling him on uh, on his COVID stance. If you actually listen to Aaron Rodgers, he's actually very well read and there's depth to his knowledge. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, he has actually put in time to be fairly well informed. Most of these athletes and entertainers, if you ask them three questions, they'll fall apart and they will have absolutely no ability to defend their perspective. Uh, pull that, the staff, we'll play that maybe at the end of this hour. LeBron James on his book review of the autobiography of Malcolm X is, it is just, I mean, it reminds me of, of sometimes my 13-year-old when I'm quizzing him about whether he's reading uh, the books that he's supposed to be reading or not. It's always interesting, though, to go through the exercise of thinking, why is it that the people who, and and I'm not saying I can't come up with answers for this, I think we do it on a regular basis, but people for whom um, life has been incredibly fortunate. I mean, they are, there's a, yeah, you know, they always say, oh, but they work so hard, whether it's athletes or musicians. Everybody works hard, man. I, this whole thing and they about, don't even, it's, it's, they don't work that hard, right? I mean, if, if, you if are, I was six foot eight and had a yes. 48 inch vertical when I was 16 years old, I would have been in the NBA too. I, I know this might be a Correct. shock to pe- some people, but. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Taylor Swift, you know, has a, you know, she has a very good voice. She's very pretty. I mean, these things all. She writes her are, own songs. She's more talented. I'm not by saying far she's not super talented or works super hard, yeah. but I'm just saying these are people yeah. for whom some things have lined up very well and they live in America. You know, if they had been born in Taliban controlled Afghanistan, none of that stuff would yes. have mattered. It only matters really because they're here in America or maybe they could have been in, you know, some Western European countries, a few other places where you have a free market and people can achieve. My point is just is merely they all have the same these people who are so fortunate um instead of uh understanding that there's so much to learn about life and that they should be approaching things with humility, they think like, oh well, because I'm really good at this sport or because I sing really well, I also should tell everybody about how the country should be run, and it's you know LeBron James weighing in on how the country should be or like on law enforcement, for example, to me would be like me sitting there and saying like, this is how I think you really have to, you know, do the sky hook or something. It's just, there are, there are areas of knowledge that people have and areas of knowledge that they don't, but they're all left wing as well. This is the thing the people that are really constantly uh, mouthing off about politics in the public sphere, who are very rich and very famous and very dumb are almost all very left wing. That's the thing that I think is so interesting. Yeah. And also, I would just point out, in the 80s and the 90s, when an a- actor won an Oscar and got up on the stage or somebody won a Grammy and they gave a political opinion, I feel like America universally rolled their eyes. In the social media era, we've really kind of accepted what I think is a, is a backwards way of thinking, which is, oh, because these guys all have their own Instagram accounts or their own Twitter accounts, we should take them more seriously. I would just say again yeah. with anybody, same thing for you and me. You can agree or disagree with me and, and Buck. But I think if you and I sat down and gave our political opinions, we do it for three hours every day. But if somebody interviews us and, and grills us on it, 
people would say, like, I can agree or disagree, but there's some depth of knowledge there. I think almost every athlete, actor, entertainer, you name it, singer, songwriter, whatever, would fall apart with five minutes of intense questioning about their political opinions. Uh, I can say that that happened to Alyssa Milano, so that's a whole other thing. Um, (laughs) So there's that. 800-282-2882. The Preborns Network of Clinics uh, nationwide is an entity entirely dedicated to saving the lives of unborn babies. They've been effective at it over the last couple of decades. They've saved more than 280,000 babies' lives. They operate as a nonprofit organization, and they're only able to do so because of the generosity of you, the pro-life community, the people listening to shows like this one. In each preborn facility, they welcome pregnant mothers, often who are faced with that very difficult decision about what to do with this unplanned pregnancy. The care, counseling, and support they receive at preborn clinics are often the determining factor in pushing them toward choosing life. This happens so often when a mother is introduced to her baby via ultrasound. Just hearing the heartbeat and witnessing the movements within that tiny body is enough for the mother to render a decision of life for her baby. It's so important, this work that they do. So would you consider a leadership gift to help save babies day-to-day in a big way? Your tax-deductible donation of $5,000 would sponsor Preborn's entire network for 24 hours. 24 hours, every single baby's life that would be saved would be only possible because of this leadership gift that you could give, which is tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250, say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, say baby. Or donate securely at preborn.com slash buck, preborn.com slash B-U-C-K. Preborn has a 100% charity rating, so you can give with confidence. Sponsored by Preborn. We're going to bring you up to speed with the latest here on the Biden administration response to the drone attack in Jordan. The reporting on this has been that they misidentified a returning drone to a U.S. base in Jordan. This part of Jordan is is kind of tucked up in the northeast where you have Syria right next door and Iraq right next door. So it's a it's a tough neighborhood uh, geopolitically, you could say. And so initially there was confusion about or there was uncertainty about who hit us or even from where. Now, Clay, the latest is it seems that a group uh, called Kataib Hezbollah, operating out of Iraq, although they've also been operating in Syria as well. Uh, they think they struck them from Iraq. Uh, they're a Shia a Shia Muslim terrorist group backed by Iran, uh, and they have been attacking U.S. and coalition interests in, in the region for, for many years. So that's the perpetrator, as far as we know right now. Now we get to what the response will be. Uh, you no doubt saw... Uh, Tucker over the weekend tweeting out that the people calling for strikes on Iran specifically were uh, lunatics. And he added a uh, he added some salty language to the lunatics designation, I believe. That was one part of it. And then you've also seen uh, this happen. Do we, I think we have Joy Reid right last night on her show um, uh, saying, well, it's bleeped, but you'll figure it out from the context. This was live on air on MSNBC last last night talking about this uh, this drone attack. Play 20. Over the weekend, President Biden said he's ready to take action if Congress is serious about solving the border issue. If that bill were the law today, I'd shut down the border right now and fix it quickly. And Congress needs to get it done. Starting another f***ing war. <laughs> still trying to kill the deal he bragged about blocking progress and said please please blame him if it fails i don't know if you heard that but she, clearly she was in a so just so you understand that the technicalities here or the uh the technical realities she was they have a sot sound on tape was playing on her show and they're supposed to drop her mic meaning that her microphone is no longer transmitting but sometimes with a sot they won't and she just said what she said there thinking that her mic wasn't going to pick it up, that only people at home would see, uh, that they would only see the Biden sound on tape, meaning the video clip. And so we heard what she has to say about it. Okay, so Clay, that's that's one thing. Um, notice, though, way more... What, you, you want to weigh say, on this first? You know, I'm just going to say, 
astoundingly, there has been, and I'm probably jinxing us, in the three some odd years that oh, we've Oh, you been are doing not about show. to say I, what I'm going to jinx this. Dude, come I'm going to jinx this. Neither one of us has cursed on the radio in three some odd years. If either of us do now, it is Clay's fault, by the way, because you never talk about this on a radio show. uh, We have never cursed on the air, which is an amazing accomplishment so far, and I certainly jinx this right now. And there, to my knowledge, has never been a off-air comment aired during the show. The reason why I'm bringing this up is, in general... I don't I like this is going this will happen to almost any show at some point in time over the course of uh, a show. What's interesting to me Buck is when what airs is different than what would be said. That's when it's a story, right? Like if you or I off air are audio heard and we're saying kind of the same thing, maybe just in a little bit more uh, risque fashion than we would typically say, given FCC restrictions. Clay and I sound the same all the time, but we're adults who do occasionally curse. We're not on the radio, but everything else is exactly what you would expect. But so it's not it's when there's a distance between what you would say on air and what you would say off air, not just in language, but in overall argument. And that, to me, is what makes this interesting for Joy Reid, right? is that she's saying something different to off-air audience than she would on-air Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So she's playing this clip of Biden. She's coming back. She's like, well, Biden's going to handle this fantastically. He's like, yeah, there he is going to start another war like the clown that he, you know. Yeah, she, right. She know. even she knows that yes. the, you can't trust this administration to handle something like this. Tony Blinken, who I have it on good authority from people I know that are still in the government, is one of the... Uh, most uh, unimpressive individuals you can think of to have held a cabinet position in a, in a long time. Um, you could say he is the uh, the Pete Buttigieg of the State Department, as in, that guy's in charge? Really? Wow. But here he is letting everybody know, the actual Secretary of State for now, Tony Blinken, that they will, this is cut one, that the response will be decisive. We will respond decisively to any aggression. And we will hold responsible the people who attacked our troops. We'll do so at a time and a place of our choosing. So there are three basic options here. Wall Street Journal laid this out today, but this is obvious. It's not like the Wall Street Journal was uh, you know, figuring this out late into the night. You can hit the people who hit you, meaning the proxies. You can hit the Iranians who backed the proxies. So that might be some kind of attack, you know, some kind of strike on military facilities in Iran, naval facilities in the open ocean, something like, you know, naval uh, uh, ships in the o- ocean. Um, or you can do something economic, which is, no, that's not going to do anything, right? But that, those are really the options here. Um, but I think laying that out, somebody can probably figure out from my tone, Clay, they're not really going to do anything. Uh, and now, a worse thing would be to do something that starts a war, to be clear. So I, I do think that Striking Iran um, would be uh, something that's an escalation, like hitting Iran on their soil in a way that would really hurt. Um, I think that's an escalation that we don't need and is a bad idea. But, I mean, hitting the proxies, okay, so we'll bomb some, you know, we're, we're, they're going to end up losing some facilities out in the desert of Iraq, basically. I think that's all that's going to end up happening here. So question for you. October 7th. The terror attack, Hamas, is uh, slaughters 1,200 innocent Israelis. We're now about to hit February. This week we will. And the response from Israel is still ongoing uh, inside of Gaza. And, and the West Bank, as we discussed before. They're hitting them in the West Bank, too. Yeah. And and so this is ongoing. And we're now, what is that, November, December, January, February. We're now four months into the Israeli response to this attack on October 7th. And that is the precipitating factor under which American soldiers are also being targeted because of the United States connection to Israel. And that has created all of this, uh, you know, mushroom cloud, for lack of a better phrasing, that has happened in the Middle East. How many more months does this continue, Buck, in your mind, if you were analyzing it? And the reason why I bring it up is, obviously, you have a CIA background. You can analyze this. But you just heard me talking with Ryan Gerdusky. If you look at the presidential politics, next week we will officially hit nine months until the election. And I do think that there are Jewish people listening to us right now who are going to change the way that they were vote that they would have voted based on October 7th. I believe that. We'll see in nine months whether that's correct or not. And I also think there are Arab voters in the United States that are unhappy with the Democrat. You just heard Ryan Gerdusky say 
this might be the beginning of the end of the relationship between Jewish uh, Americans and the Democrat Party, which has typically represented them over the fact that there are way more Arabs now in the United States than than Jews. So, Buck, in that context, how many more months do you think this goes on? And do you think this story in general is going to continue to be an issue by the time people go to the ballot box in November? I think my my belief, Clay, on this is that um, this will have by the summer died down to the point where it won't be much of a consideration at all uh, in the election. Um, just because the Israelis have done most of the heavy fighting they're going to do in Gaza at this point. Uh, they don't care what the interna- they, quote international community says about it. They just did this undercover raid. It's basically a hit. I mean, it's a, a targeted strike, an assassination, whatever you want to call it. But they sent guys in plain clothes into a hospital in the West Bank, and they killed three bad guys because the Israelis aren't playing games. They're, yeah. they're going to do what they have to do to defend themselves uh, in the aftermath of October 7th. They're hitting military targets, but you know they're using subterfuge uh, on the battlefield to, to accomplish that. Um, and uh, so I, I think that there's not going to be nearly the focus on this that there has been. Also, you know, we've we have these these outposts really in Iraq and Syria, these very isolated U.S. military bases. You know, they, they get hit occasionally or with um, with what they call IDF, indirect fire. So they'll be hit with, uh, you know, mortars, rockets, things like that. It's really just to, you know, un- unnerve the base. You, you, rarely does it actually result in what we saw here. They they manage to sneak through. There are, you know, they have air defenses and radar and things at these at these installations. They snuck through a pretty sizable um explosive payload on a drone they killed three and they wounded a couple of dozen others i mean this was a this was a big explosion that went off uh so they got us on this one i think that the question going forward is going to be more how long do we plan to have u.s military presence in the region um because it does bring to people's minds the ongoing peacekeeping mission that we tried to play in lebanon back in the reagan days and Hezbollah hit us at the Marine barracks and killed hundreds of Marines uh, with with the mass truck suicide bombing attack. Right. So, you know, I, I think that longer term, there's the question about are we going to start to just realize that we don't need to have this forward deployed presence in this way? And then it just turns into, you know, if you step out of line, we're going to hit whatever it is with airstrikes. And that's that's going to be it. I mean, we're not going to think twice about uh, the damage that will have to be done as a result of it i don't think it's going to move the politics here at home very much at all because there's so many other factors that are at play and i think that people every single i'll tell you this every single person who's out there in any way in solidarity with palestine or talking about how it's a genocide in gaza they are the left-wing base of the democrat party right so they're i mean they were going to vote that way anyway um this notion of uh the Muslim community, uh, because of Michigan, I think, uh, deciding what are they going to do? They're going to vote Republican? I mean, may- maybe some of them stay home, but I think there are enough other issues that are important to them um, that they will likely continue to vote Democrat anyway. That's that's just my, my read on it. Uh, but as for the, the situation with Iran, I mean, Clay, we have been, meaning the U.S., dealing with this thing now for 40-some-odd years. Since the revolution in 79. Since 79. And we've been talking about, oh, maybe they'll democratize. Maybe there'll be an overthrow. Maybe there'll be, you know. Uh, The answer is the Iranian regime is, you know, probably has another 20 or 30 years in it as is. And we just got to keep them from messing up everything for the rest of us. I mean, it's a shame. The Iranian people, I I think uh, there's plenty of evidence that especially the younger generation in Iran, it's got a lot of people who are, they like Americans, which you don't really hear, but they're pro-American. Certainly Persians in this country, uh, I think, appreciate America because of what they left behind, um, you know, the tyranny they left behind. But, you know, th- this is why all this talk about what are we going to do with Iran? It's kind of like North Korea. You just try to contain it. But I don't think there's a sol- there's no solving this problem. And, and that's not that's not something that people hear and feel like there's a satisfying answer there. But that is the answer. There's there's nothing we're going to do that's going to solve this. We just want to keep it from spiraling out of control. All of you out, by the way, we've got a fun clip that we're going to play for you when we come back. It's LeBron James book report. 
We were talking earlier about Taylor Swift and all the celebrities out there getting involved in politics. LeBron James being quizzed about reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I guarantee you're going to love this. Um, And maybe back in the day, there's a videotape of you out there talking about a book you didn't read. Maybe, maybe, possibly. Remember uh, all the reports you had to do? Was it Reading Rainbow? Remember watching that back in the day in your classrooms? I was flying home Sunday uh, from South Florida. I sat next to, I thought it was so cool, I sat next to a woman who's now the principal of the elementary school that I went to. Uh, no idea. She, I don't think, had any idea what I did or anything else, but I went to a school called Gulletsville Elementary. Um, and you know what's cool? When I was in first grade, we did a time capsule. We put all this old stuff into the time capsule, 1985, and it's going to get opened next year in 2025. So I was asking that uh, the principal about was the time capsule still there? What are the pro- uh, processes under which the time capsule is going to get opened? I remember writing something and putting it in there. I think we were supposed to predict what the world would look like. It's like going back in time. And, you know, that's what family history often is, too. Those camcorder tapes that you have. You're going back in time to maybe family members who are no longer with you. Impressive Thanksgivings, Christmas, maybe Easter, New Year's. Times that you spent with really close family members on those old VHS tapes. And just like I can't wait to see what's in that time capsule from 1985, imagine what your kids and grandkids are going to think about all the time capsules in your family's history that you can preserve forever and share with them through digital files. That's what Legacy Box does. And that's why you need to go, trust me right now, go to LegacyBox.com slash Clay and you will get 50% off the regular prices. LegacyBox.com slash Clay. Get started today. They will professionally digitize all your old family memories. Ensure that your family memories and time capsules of life are preserved for generations to come. That's LegacyBox.com slash Clay. 50% off LegacyBox.com slash Clay. We are joined. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone, goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five! High Five! Casino! Casino! Win at High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five! A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Now by our friend Ryan Gurdusky. Savant extraordinaire when it comes to analyzing data. All right, Ryan. 
There's been a lot of fiery uh, conversation. I'm sure you've seen it some on the social media uh, apps. Uh, after I said that in order to win, Trump had to do better with uh, college-educated women in the suburbs, particularly focusing on the Philly area, Atlanta, uh, Milwaukee, Phoenix, those big cities in those swing states with large suburban female populations, much of which is college-educated. Right, wrong there, where is this election going to be decided as we sit basically nine months out based on the data as you have seen it? So in the most important swing states, everyone's going to make a lot of conversation about the Hispanic vote and the Asian vote, but most important states in this upcoming election, North Carolina, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, you could throw in New Hampshire if you'd like, are 90% black-white states. The only truly diverse one would maybe be Arizona and Nevada. Um, so the vote will be so Trump's, if Trump manages to get 40% of the Hispanic vote, that would be great. Um, and it will certainly help him in Texas and Arizona and Nevada. It will not really make that much of a difference in the most critical swing states. So I like to preface with that. So the vote will then come down to a question of college-educated white voters, um, non-college-educated white voters, and black voters. Trump needs to do one of the three to win. He needs to either, A, make a reversal of college-educated voters, which he has been sliding with and continue to slide. And the New York Times Siena poll, the last one, Donald Trump does worse with college-educated white voters than any Republican since Barry Goldwater in 1964, which was not a good election for Republicans. Um, he needs to turn out Republican, non-college-educated voters. This is the base of the Republican Party. This is a group that got him elected the first time in 2016, and they are the group that are about one in five Biden voters or one in four Biden voters, depending on the, uh, the poll you look at, are non-college educated whites. So if Trump can take 5% of, of the, that voter group that was going to vote for Joe Biden into his coalition, that wins in the presidency or the black vote. Now, a lot of people have said the polls show the black vote is going to be swinging more towards Trump than ever before. I am a uh, doubter in that because it has never happened in our history. The most in any in 30 years we've seen their black vote is go 11% for George W. Bush in 2004. I don't believe it's going to have a huge swing. What's happening with the black vote, and this is key, older black voters are the most loyal Democrats there in the country. As they begin to die out, like all populations die out, younger black voters are replacing them are less uh, align with the Democratic Party, but they are still 85% Democrat. They're just not 95% Democrat. So either black turnout has to decline or the black vote has to splinter a little bit more than, than it could. But most importantly, it has to decline. The black vote declined from 2012 to 2016, and that's what got Trump elected in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. If the black vote declines, that would be more important than if uh, a 1% or 2% move towards uh, towards Donald Trump. Ryan, it's Buck. Thanks for being here. The polls in the uh, swing states have looked very, very strong for Trump, better than they've ever looked that I can think of in, in the past uh, when you've had a, a election year like this. Uh, what do you attribute that to? And and what, as somebody who wants to see a Republican winning in this next election, what worries you? Because I think right now there's a little bit of a, of a quiet confidence, maybe even a quiet overconfidence in some corners of uh, MAGA world. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 what what is happening, I think, is Joe Biden. There is in 2012, famously, Obama's campaign said we need frame the conversation on Mitt Romney early so that no matter how much money Republicans spend, people's perception of him as an out of touch, out of touch rich man will carry us through the election day. And it worked. I think the idea of Joe Biden being an incompetent old man who possibly has memory issues, um, who cannot complete a sentence in a timely manner, and who has dropped the ball on everything from the economy to foreign policy, which was a major first thing with the Afghanistan withdrawal, how botched it was, to the border. Um, and I, even though the economy is improving, according to most economic indicators, perception is I still can't buy a house because the 7% interest rate and Biden really doesn't know what he's doing. Um, the economy improving is one of the biggest concerns. And also what concerns me with the college educated white vote, college educated white voters have the highest 
voter turnout of any demographic group. Following that is black voters and following that is non-college educated white voters. I am very afraid of non-college educated white voters not showing up in the propensity, even though they're the largest um, demographic group in this country, some of the worst turnout rates possible. Um, what I am afraid of is them being complacent and not showing up. I'm afraid that if the economy improves too much, that it will, that people will start changing their minds midway through the year, which is not impossible. And uh, lastly, the thing that, that worries me the most is that for Republicans, for the for independent voters, right? Independent voters agree with Republicans more than Democrats on basically every single issue from education to foreign policy, to trade, to taxes, to immigration. The two issues they do not agree with Republicans are, are abortion, and the 2020 election being stolen. It is a major, major, major fissure point. If your life is pretty good, there is not high crime, you're not seeing migrants in your town, and um, you are making, you have a good living, you have a good job, issues like that matter more to you, like, a, like college-educated white voters in the Philly suburbs, in the Phoenix suburbs, people who will be thinking about that. And my fear is that Trump will be running on uh, the 2020 election and, you know, in 20... 21, I think he sat there and said, you can thank me for banning abortion. And I mean, that's why Joe Biden's first two ads have been 2020, January 6th and abortion. That's all he's going to run on because that will, he thinks, fissure the holes and breaking things down in the Midwest. I think that Trump's going to come back and win Arizona and win Georgia. If I'm right on that, then Trump would just need to win mathematically one of the states in the upper Midwest, right? This is assuming Nevada's not in play, assuming New Hampshire's not in play. He'd have to win Pennsylvania, Michigan, or uh, or he'd have to win Wisconsin, right? That's the That's the math, basically. Michigan, because of the large Jewish population and the large Arab population, there's a Detroit News poll out that had Trump up substantially, do you buy into the idea of October 7th and the fallout of the, the, the discord between Hamas, Palestinians, uh, Jews, that that could really swing the state of Michigan? Or am I reading too much into that? Partially, but you have to remember a lot of Muslims in this country are under the age of 18, just like a lot of Amish in Pennsylvania. Most Amish in Pennsylvania are under the age of 18. Most Muslims in Michigan are under the age of 18. So though the Muslim population is large, those capable of voting is fairly small. Is it enough to swing the election? Possibly, but there's also 200,000 Muslims in the state of Georgia. So it just depends on how real this pushback of Muslims are because they live far outside. I mean, everyone talks about but they are hundreds of thousands of them in Arizona and Georgia and these very, very close states that could well impact it. Um, what this but the long-term reality is if Joe Biden loses because the Muslim vote sits out in 2024 to punish him for his Israel thing, you can very well bet that there will never be or probably not be a Democratic president even remotely favorable to Israel anymore. This is the dividing line of mass immigration. We've imported three million Muslims. There are way more Muslims than there are Jews now in this country. You can absolutely bet that the future of this country is going to have a very anti-Israel Democratic Party. Do you think Jews as voting group, I usually it's like 65, 35. Do you think Jewish people are likely to move at all in 2024 over this issue? Or are you skeptical? They're going to move because demographics have changed. The Woody Allen Jews, the older liberal Barbara Streisand, non-religious Jews, they didn't have any children over the last 40 years. So their population is the black hats, the Orthodox, the conservative Jews, the Ben Shapiro Jews, the Hasidim Jews, they are the ones having children. So the demographics are changing very quickly among this population simply because Borough Park, Brooklyn, if you know what it is, it's a very Hasidic uh, Jewish place, is growing. And the Upper West Side, which is like the more liberal place, is shrinking in the Jewish population. And that will change the Jewish profile of how Jewish voters cast their ballots in the future. It's just Ryan, I just, just, I just want to give you a minute here because we get a lot of calls about this still. Um, I know that you agree with me, so I love asking the question that Michelle Obama <laughs> is not going to be the Democrat nominee. But can you just explain why you think that is to everybody because the all the emails all we get are calls people saying clay is right and emails saying she's going to be the nominee why do you think it is look no one can see the future maybe clay is right maybe a lot of folks writing in are right why do you think it's very challenging for that to actually happen 
Um, okay, first, she does not like politics. Shinley says she does not like politics. She has never given anything. The political world is very, very small as far as consultants go. You can very, especially for a presidential campaign, you know somebody who works for anybody in business. Nobody works for Michelle Obama as a professional consultant running for president. And so repeatedly, she doesn't like Trump, which most black women in America don't like Donald Trump. Um, that'd be the first thing. Second thing, Joe Biden has this nomination wrapped up. Um, he would have to die um, or step down. If he does decide to step down or if he, you know, something happens to his health and he cannot serve, um, they're not going to bypass the first black sitting vice president, first black woman uh, vice president, um, to have a woman whose only qualification is she married a former president. That's just not how Hillary Clinton had to be a senator and a secretary of state uh, before getting the nomination of the Democratic Party. They just didn't give it to somebody because they were married. You don't call the plumber's wife if the plumber is out on another job. It just they don't know how to fix it. Like, it just doesn't work like that. Oh, also, I wish I wish. Yeah. Brian, can you come back for one? Do you have like uh, seven Clay, or eight more minutes? You, with you, Clay is fired up. You poked Clay now. Here we I, go. Well, I want to talk about this, Fine, but I sure, also I'll come back because Clay is just wrong on this. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we got to have Brian on. I, I love succinctly. I'll come back as Clay is just wrong on this, which, by the way, is what my wife says on 98 percent of uh, issues that we discuss <laughs> in the house as well. Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. HighFiveCasino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. Casino. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com.